Kia ora and welcome to Green MPs in the Podcast, a weekly podcast interview series where we put your questions to the Green Party MPs and find out a bit more about what excites and inspires them. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Green MP Gareth Hughes, and this week I'm with Stephen Browning, and he's been in Parliament since 2011, and he's the Green Party spokesperson for GE, Organics, Pesticides, Biosecurity, and Food Safety. How's it going? Really good, thanks, Gareth. That's good. Well, hey, it's been a huge 2016. How's the year been for you? Uh, Massive. Uh, Totally um, loaded with uh, different issues in my portfolios, and... uh, uh, enjoying the challenge of it, but uh, it is very, very big. Yep. Hey, well, you, you live in Blenheim. Uh, the big issue this year for your region was the Kaikoura earthquakes. That's right. Were you, were you there for it? I was, uh, I had to evacuate. I was um, at a friend's uh, out of the beach at Rarangi uh, near Blenheim, and everybody at Rarangi knows that with an earthquake as big as that, they don't need sirens, they don't need anything. <laughs> we, we just had a chain of cars leaving for higher ground um, back in Tour Maria. So um, yeah, that was um, definitely hands-on. There's cracks in the nearby riverbank. Um, the Kaikura electorate runs from the uh, tip of the Marlborough Sounds where some there were some effects as well, but actually all the way down to the Ashley River by um, Christchurch. So really, um, it's all within that electorate. What was going through your mind when you were sort of evacuating? Were you, were you scared? Uh, I was not super scared. I was in the number seven, the very first earthquake in Christchurch, and it was many of their aftershocks after the following ones. Uh, but I just knew the importance of getting to higher ground very, very quickly. Um, yeah, it's, it's disconcerting, yeah. uh, definitely. And uh, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety, and I totally understand that. Yeah, well, I was in Wellington, and I literally leapt out of bed, ran to my kids who were fast asleep. They slept through it, which I'm still quite right. amazed by. But then, you know, luckily the lights were on. I was able to check Twitter to see, because you, you always wonder, is this the big one? Yes. Uh, what some of the stories of some of the people, because I know you've been down there an awful lot helping out, up, including up in helicopters. What some of the stories you've heard down there? Uh, okay, the... Um, I was trying uh, within half an hour to call friends in the Clarence Valley because I knew it was sandwiched between, the, there was two shakes actually, there was the one at Colwood and there was one at Seddon and, uh, and obviously you know, communications were out so I got there uh, within 24 hours and uh, by then I was able to ascertain that everybody in that area appeared to be okay, they had done the thumbs up from their houses. But the houses, uh, one in particular that I stay in a lot, uh, up the Clarence Valley, uh, was as damaged as I would have expected it. Uh, after Christchurch, I knew the chimneys would be down, yep. and they were. And they were lucky not to have been in bed because they would have worn a chimney. So there's that sort of thing. Uh, when I arrived uh, just around the corner at Clarence River rafting, um, and there was this eerie emptiness as people were waiting for what might have been a wall of water from the 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 dam breach that had been the, the, the dam been been formed by the slip. Uh, and here go farmers with big land um, uh, area and water obviously normally calling in there looking for fresh water because all their tank junctions and yep. pipes had broken. They were worried for their stock. They were worried for themselves. I had ten litres of water for them. Um, All those photos were just simply staggering of the rail lines and the slips 
As the local MP, though, how do you think the emergency and the response has been handled? Uh, I appreciate the fantastic immediacy of response and the efforts of people. I was in the uh, emergency hub in Blenheim that was dealing right down to almost Kaikoura um, and to see so many people knowing what they were doing and getting on with it was good. However, there were some communication gaps and I was very concerned about my friends who where a bridge had broken uh, and they had no, and no one in Clarence had a communication system going directly back to that hub at that point. Uh, later, uh, only a little while ago, I was trying to get through for White Ribbon uh, into Kaikoura in that inland road and there was a lack of coordination between Civil Defence and New Zealand Transport Authority and we were blocked. We had bouncy castles, we had free food, we had yep. uh, half the eastern band to go through and yet we were stopped on that Sunday because NZTA had decided to rest their staff. The fact that they couldn't be working 24-7 with shifts uh, is pretty appalling when there's a town cut off. Well, KiwiSys on Reddit uh, wanted me to ask a question, which is, are you going to be kicking up a stink over the clearing of the roads? Is, is it happening fast enough, or is there real risks if you proceed too fast? Um, I think they need to proceed very fast, uh, and they need to pour the equipment in, but they need to look at the slips, slip by slip, and treat each one specifically for what is in that rubble. Is it rock? Can any of it go over? Or is it all clay that's going to cause sediments and marine damage, and can that be transported to uh, yep. somewhere very close? And in most instances, there's, um, uh, there are places that have actually been uh, maybe exposed that might be able to take some of that spoil. Uh, we have supported uh, the bills uh, yep. to, to that. We've managed to get some positive changes into those bills. Uh, there are some powers that are a little extraordinary. However, um, certainly the Green Party is not blocking um, quick remediation. Well, the, the last question on this huge uh, local issue is from Lottie, who's a regular listener, and she asks, well, what's needed to support recovery? What can everyday people do? Everyday people can get back into that area as soon as possible. Uh, uh, and you've got to remember that it's not just Kaikoura. Um, there's uh, up to the Clarence and beyond, beautiful new beach that's been lifted out of the sea. Um, a friend uh, jumped in it the day that I was there looking at the upraised seabed. Uh, get into those areas, go there, do business. I did Christmas shopping on the main street of Kaikoura, There's, and that shopkeeper is expecting to go bankrupt. Yeah. We don't need to do that if we get in there quickly, and government gives more support. I've spoken directly to Jerry Brownlee and Stephen Joyce only yesterday again about extending um, the packages and to maybe making loans available because many of those businesses have been caught out with lots of stock, lots of obligation in terms of finance, uh, tourist operators who have got uh, collected deposits for coming tours but um, have to give those back and they were in a way their overdraft yeah. facility. So there's a lot of grief around that. So the, the best thing we can do is not um, be worried about being in the area, get into the area, see those phenomenal geolog geological changes and support the local community. Well, let's change gears. I'm quite keen to learn a little bit more about you and your background. Uh, I've known you for about a year and I've known you as a passionate advocate for organics and GE, farming, 
Were, were you always like this from an early age, or was this something a passion you found later in life? Yeah, we have actually known each other for years. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, but um, but um, uh, yeah, so I've uh, been interested in, in at school. It was nature. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had a big garden at home and a river down the back and so all that aspect was... Because uh, researching this I, f- I found something I didn't know, you were born in Clyde. Yeah, so I was born in Clyde, central Otago, but I was uh, living in Blenheim from the age of yep. four. So Blenheim is really home and um, uh, I've lived in the Marlborough Sounds, but I still have a uh, share in some land out there. Um, and uh, I was always interested in ecology and so from the ecology um, became the organics and from my late 20s um, I was operating certified organic uh, property for or properties for 17 years ultimately as a certified organic glasshouse yeah. grower in Blenheim with um, what were you growing? Uh, capsicum, eggplant, um, tomatoes, chilies, um, cucumber, beans and basil were my mainstay yeah. a couple of hundred cherry trees um, and, and and a bit more, but um, do you, yeah. do, you, do you miss that? That sort of like getting your hands dirty in the soil, as it were. I, I, I do in part, and uh, to the point that I have an office garden, and that's uh, got uh, I see some uh, ginger emerging yet again. Yeah. I've uh, already harvested ginger from it. I've harvested cucumbers in the past, lots of capsicum chilies. Um, so I sort of have a small devil that way but um, I will do some more growing again sometime I'm sure. Well it is quite funny because you got in trouble with parliamentary services because I think mm. you had some wasps in your office is that right? Yeah so when I was ordering uh, uh, some biological control for aphids because when you don't have opening windows you don't get natural yeah. predators and parasites coming in to sort that to get the balance right and um, my assistant at the time got very nervous and so did some other staff that I was ordering wasps. Well, these wasps sort of sit on a, on a pinhead, yeah. effectively. They're very small, and um, they uh, parasitise the aphids. So uh, that, um, that wasn't the parliamentary service. It was more in-house, that one. I think parliamentary services got a bit uh, concerned that I was going to be bringing in a quarter of a tonne of uh, potting mix and stuff to yeah. uh, grow this food, and which, um, you know, was really only six bags of... Um, Potting mix and compost. Oh, it would stick in the muds. Yeah. Um, you're a similar age to Catherine Delahunty, and you know I was born in the '80s. I was something I was intrigued to learn from Catherine was, was what was it like in New Zealand in the '70s? Because my generation, yeah, we do, it's it's history for us. But what was it like for you? Um, well, I've been brought up in a little. Uh, my parents were quite religious for a period of time, but through my lovely formative teenage years. And so I just didn't have, uh, it took me a little bit more to get into that um, uh, life phase of the time that had the rebelliousness and everything, and I caught that mostly, uh, you know, it was in my 20s. Um, What was it like? Um, um, (laughs) I'm just trying to think how much I should recount. Yeah, well, how much do you remember? (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's the short-term memory loss that's impaired rather than long-term. But... um, yeah, I, I, in a way that worked well for my interest in ecology. There was all the job people reading the John Seymour book about self-sufficiency and the likes. And, and when I went out to the sounds in my late 20s, um, after doing a lot of uh, recreational stuff um, before that, I was um, very much into trying to be as self-sufficient as possible. And that's where that uh, organics uh, fitted as well. So that was kind of that escape from society, go do everything yourself on a sort of commune or an ohu. Yeah, a, a, a bit that way. I'd, um, I had worn a suit briefly as a sales rep for a pharmaceuticals company 
um, in, in my early 20s after doing a little bit of nursing straight after I left home. Um, and they sort of used that in my... Uh, but I, um, it was a, a sort of community, but the, it wasn't the common philosophy that would really gel communities. I still have interest in um, intentional community, uh, but I'm also very int- uh, aware of my... Um, uh, my my own mm. uh, um, decisions to um, make my own destiny, I suppose, and not be always caught by the collective. Well, I remember when we first met, I think you were working for Soil and Health, who you worked for for a long time, and uh, an organics advocacy group. And I remember when I first sort of paid attention to the Greens in 99, Nandor Tantros was talking about an organic nation by 2020. Mm-hmm. That's only uh, four years away. Yes. Uh, was it too ambitious a target or the wrong target or uh, a missed opportunity? Uh, certainly a missed opportunity. Uh, I think it was a good target. It, was, it also became Green Party policy. And we've had to modify that, unfortunately, because um, not being in government uh, and we have not been able to put in a target for organics in this country. I recently went to Denmark where they had a target for organics and ministries got behind it. There was a number of schemes and incentives for farmers as well. And they had a, not as big a target, uh, but they, uh, in a new right when governments come in and stop that being a target, but the momentum is so strong they're going to meet yep. that target. Yep. And, and that was a doubling of organic area by, um, in fact, 2020 as well. And uh, they've got massive things that uh, are important to consumers there and and we could be doing the same so it's a missed opportunity the fastest growing um, food label in the world is GMO free uh, but that is subsequent in the states in particular rather uh, but um, the biggest organic uh, sorry food sector uh, fastest growth is in organics so well, there's I'll, I'll, a, the real opportunity there for New Zealand I really want to talk to you about GE and organics because mm. I've had a number of questions come in but I probably shouldn't say this on air but um, I'm such a granny I'm really tired with two young kids so I often go mm-hmm. to bed uh, quite early but I know when we've been at planning meetings as a caucus I'll sort of go to bed at 9pm I'll see you in the morning and you've been out partying <laughs> till 3am in the morning it's the organics it's the organics <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I, I think I've slowed up actually you slowed yeah, up. Um, and, and I can do the three o'clock but I uh, you know I, I, you know we do, you do, good sleep is very good and, uh, and I can see you benefit from it oh well anyway all I can yeah. say is respect <laughs> Stefan so I posted an invitation to Reddit for people to ask questions to the last five MPs we were doing the screen MPs in a podcast recording for and a number were for you particularly around science and GE mm. and stuff so Rick Astley let me down which I think is a wonderful name said why are the Greens against GM and biotechnology because it's a prime opportunity to break away from dependence on traditional primary industries yeah. what would you respond to um, as is our policy um, we're certainly not opposed to those technologies in the laboratory for um getting better and better understanding of of what is happening in plants, animals, uh, you know, biology generally. And um, hang, there's fantastic, the discoveries that have come through that. But to actually put uh, genetically engineered organisms out into the environment is quite a different thing. And there are risks associated with that. There has not been enough science in terms of the safety of it. And why would you go racing ahead until you knew something was properly safe? Uh, pundits often say that, 
hey, it's been out for years and da 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 da, um, and there's no um, hint of any problem. Well, in fact, there's a lot of health issues that are going on, um, and we don't know what the effect, you know, what is causing what. Uh, we, I also work on the pesticides area, and some of the studies I'm aware of uh, show that there are some problems with GE, but there's actually real strong problems with some of the pesticides that are inherently used uh, in an increasing yep. way on that. And to, and to separate them off, uh, we need more studies on that. Uh, and that's just in terms of the food stuff. Uh, one thing that has happened during that same period of time is that um, we've realized that the stuff around the DNA and the genome uh, and all that uh, is increasingly um, being opened up to, oh, that wasn't a silent mm. mechanism, or that uh, RNA actually had another function, or this, or, or, and so forth. And so it's a little bit arrogant and rushy to be going into those technologies in terms of applying them in a way that we would be exposed to. But hang, we should be rolling on with the um, discovery. Well, another person asked, and it was kind of a blunt question, why do you hate science? Uh, do, do you think that's a fair question? Because often sort of GE definitely not. is sort of conflated yeah. with you're either for it against it and for yeah. or against science. No, I, I'm, uh, I'm very pro-science. I'm very aware from all my work around pesticides issues in particular um, about the gaps in science. Uh, and, um, and, and I'll use an example that with around glyphosate, and I've been cracked around that, but the glyphosate is um, more likely a carcinogen than not, and, and IARC have come out and said it's a probable carcinogen. Um, another group comes up and says that uh, it's not a risk, it probably isn't. Our own EPA got one solitary retired scientist to have a look at it, and he said, no, fine. Uh, but the science they've used is not um, the independent, peer-reviewed, published science that the IARC people did. Uh, they also used industry guidelines to decide what science could be used in looking at it. And they missed out, consequently, the endocrine disruption, which is also could ultimately be a precursor um, um, with cell change and that to um, cancers. But it's particularly concerning because it's uh, a, a risk to small children, embryos uh, in terms of development and that. So I'm on the, from the precaution, yep. precautionary side and I'm very keen to get thorough science and not be just leaving it to industry to tell us what is safe and what is not safe. Well, Dyson Elder uh, asks, a lot of people are getting excited about animal-free dairy and meat, you know, so I think mm -hmm. lab-grown meat. Well, what do you think about it? You know, do you think it's an opportunity for New Zealand? Uh, I think it would be a sad, sad day that we, uh, we went down that track. I'm a vegetarian, for example, yeah. and you know I don't want to kill animals, or, and mm -hmm. I'm concerned about the environmental impact of you know some types of intensive agriculture. Uh, I don't know if I'd eat lab-grown meat, but it's a question vegetarians are asking themselves. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any need to. And again, you know, what other ramifications of that, and and what sort of experiments would you do to make sure that um, if it was using GMOs, for example, that it was a safe. As, as the, um, those that wanted to sell it would say, uh, there's lots of opportunity for protein and, and we should be reducing the amount of animal protein uh, that's being developed in the world in favour of vegetable protein. And that can actually be grown, it can be grown very, very well 
uh, and can be quite a, a fantastic variety. And, and as you well know, yep. there's a huge variety. We just don't need to go down that track. And for New Zealand, if you did it from an economics point of view, how do we want to be branded? Do we want to be a, a brand of clean, green, 100% pure type of thing, which is what the best um, markets are internationally? Um, I would think we should be going down that track All rather this than factory farming yeah. matrix style yeah. thing, and uh, really showing our point of difference that way. Well, we've talked about some pretty heavy stuff, so my favourite segment mm. is asking MPs what their favourite music is, and, and particularly what they were doing in the time of life that was their favourite. So what have you picked? Um, I, I struggle to recall um, the different uh, music that I, that I like, and it's quite, quite reasonably broad, and I often uh, attend gigs up at a, what we call the Dharma Shed out of Blenheim. It has a lot of different bands coming through. I'm looking forward to another lot coming up in a couple of weeks. But um, when I thought back about specific stuff that has real resonance, and I thought, oh, Dark Side of the Moon was a fantastic, nostalgic um, sort of track that um, I remembered, yeah. And if your head explodes with propose to We'll be different generations, but I think you picked a real goodie there. Uh, so let, let's turn now to politics, parliament and your portfolios. So what's going to be your priority portfolio through to the election? Uh, I'll, I'll probably be sticking with the um, pesticides, food safety. Uh, and organics always. I mean, I've always yep. got that organic overlay. It is a separate portfolio, and GMs in there as well. But the um, pesticides is a, is a very, very strong one. Well, you've been running this uh, bee campaign. Uh, personally, I'm a bit scared of bees, so. But you've done beautiful materials. What, what's that campaign been about? Uh, that campaign's been uh, predominantly around the neonicotinoid um, group of pesticides, which is the most commonly used insecticide uh, in the world and just very, very small amounts um, have negative effect on bees. And if they're uh, certain dose, they'll, they'll kill them outright. Other ones that disorientate them and, um, and uh, yeah, confuse them. Is this them. the same as colony collapse disorder, or is it uh, two different issues that um, are it, it is likely to be a major contributor. Colony collapse disorder is a bit of a syndrome, which is, okay, what are the different factors that, that come into that? And there could be a, a range of different factors but uh, indications are that the insecticides um, are a major part of that. Well, if you want to join the campaign and help save the bees, go to the Green Party website. You've, you've been in Parliament for two terms now, Stefan. What, what do you reckon has been the highlight of your parliamentary career? Um, probably my work on the Primary Production Select Committee, and that's what I was trying to get into Parliament for. Yeah. I thought if I can uh, shift the people in there 5% on whatever measure, towards genuine sustainability, towards organics, um, towards pesticide reduction, uh, improve food safety, that sort of thing, I, I, I would have achieved mm. something. And, and you know, I really do think that. Yeah. Um, I get a bit of kickback and a lot of uh, jokes and everything uh, coming back at me, but in a way I think that's just showing that I'm um, striking a chord. Yeah. And it's good to see other parties picking up on our things like organics more and more, um, they're hearing the issue around pesticides, they're hearing the issue around small-scale uh, producers 
uh, that, that need more assistance rather than being clobbered with compliance costs and there's things like that that I'm uh, working on. We'll, we'll take country of origin labelling for food where people have the right to know what's in their food. That's something the Labour Party, I recall, used to oppose when they were government yes. but they've really come around. Yeah. On, on the flip side, what's been the low light or the, the hardest experience for you? Well, I'll, I'll just stick with the country of origin labelling yeah. and the fact that I've just drawn uh, the member's bill on that recently. So, yeah, congratulations. Um, and so that was very, very good. And, and when that happened, I was, had managed to get country of origin labelling into our committee report um, on, a, on a food safety law reform bill where they weren't accepting it as part of the bill, but they previously wouldn't even put it in the report. And to have that, even while I was in that hearing, to come out, uh, I know that nearly every consumer in New Zealand wants country origin labelling. So I suppose that is a highlight. Low, low lights, um, just not um, being able to achieve the sort of uh, level of change that I'd want, and, and actually coming to the the, reali- um, the yeah, reality that Parliament is seriously flawed. Uh, and it's a very, very difficult environment. So that's made it made it a little bit hard at times. So, yeah. Well, we've got time for one further listener question. And Jeff McClintock asks, "What have you learnt from Trump and Brexit about connecting with the working class?" Yes. Uh, well, what's the take out for you of the Trump and Brexit phenomenon? I think that uh, people are uh, really over the status quo. They want change. They might not understand the change they're reaching for sometimes. And I think we, as the Green Party, can offer a fantastic vision about what that change is. We need to be out there and need to be very clear and strong about that, but we need to be offering it. People are after change, and, and we can give that to them. That's right. Hey, so we've got time for 10 quick questions, a series of rapid-fire questions, so off we go. So you've said where you live, uh, Blenheim. Yep. Yep. Uh, would you have a pet? Uh, no, I used to keep little lizards, so little when lizards. I was a kid. What's yeah. your favourite recipe to cook? Uh, it's an aubergine one and uh, barbecanosh. Uh, I'm trying to come yep. up with the name, but I but I love it. Yeah. What's the name of the private members bill you just had pulled from the ballot, which is well, pretty exciting? Well, the country of origin labelling one, and uh, I'm very very pleased to see that out there. Yeah, it's fantastic. What's the worst job you've ever done? Um, I think shift work at a plastics uh, irrigation pipe factory, twelve hour shifts. Yeah. And who's an MP in another party you respect the most? Um. I think uh, Mika Fateri is yep. uh, someone that I really uh, dislike and her cool, calm, collected and um, insightful approach. Got a favourite movie? Uh, one that I've seen more recently is Tracker and uh, it was uh, basically the score was written by Nicholas Van Pellant and I know his family, he's passed away before this film was made and I'm a close friend of their fa- that family. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, one, it hasn't made the the, the top grade, but it was uh, as put on as a classic on the airline flight that I was yep. on recently. But Tracker it is, and it's a New Zealand one, and uh, uh, my dear friends, uh, the three Van Pelham girls, they, are, uh, they star in it when they were you know, yep. done a few years ago. Oh, cool. Did yeah. you study uh, after high school? No, my uh, I'm University of Life and Love, yep. love rather, uh, graduated, um, but still studied. Yep. And my favourite question I love to ask MPs is, What's in your bag that you carry with you everywhere you go, travelling around the country for work? Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, not not nothing a, a special, lot of, just normal stuff. Yeah, normal stuff. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah it really is. I don't have uh, 
any stranger or, or different things in there. No. Oh, well, look, it's been a wonderful... Thank you so much for your time, Stefan. If people can hear that sort of ringing sound behind us, that's the division bell. So the bells are yeah. calling us to, to race down to the parliament, to the debating chamber. But let's not forget the, the final segment, which is your 30-second elevator pitch. So anything you want to say, 30 seconds. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Greens getting uh, as part of government. I'm hoping that we will be offering and pushing a vision of a clean, green, 100% pure New Zealand, something that all New Zealanders can be absolutely proud of uh, and all recognised to be part of. Uh, we've done the um, effectively GE Free New Zealand, but certainly nuclear free had great resonance amongst New Zealanders. Um, that's where I, I would like to see us at. Trying to get back to 100% pure. Oh, well, have a great summer. Merry Christmas. Kia ora. Thanks. Thanks very much for listening to Green MPs in a podcast. Follow the Green MPs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat. This podcast was recorded and shared with resources from Parliamentary Services. Please share it and rate it on iTunes or your favourite podcast website so more people can find it. Thank you for listening.